The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Maxwell will drop in a shotgun here. Bell is flanking him on second and nine. Maxwell throws to Mumphrey. Was tipped. Picked off. Iowa wins. A huge win on the road for the Hawkeyes as Castillo comes up with the game-winning INT. A devastating loss for Sparty and a huge victory for Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. It looked like Trinka Passat got a hand on the pass intended for Mumphrey and Castillo comes up with the interception. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's Big Ten road win at Michigan State and he previews the upcoming home game against Penn State. This program also features the weekly Big Ten conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs which include Brent Balbonade and Marv Cook as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes Susan Day and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Brent Balbonat's Press Box Report and both of the reporter's notebook shows. The Iowa-Michigan State game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with announcers Dave Pash and Brian Greasy. A very nice job in both play-by-play and analysis. We appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hot Guys Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's victory over the Michigan State Spartans in East Lansing, and he previews the home game against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Marv, last Saturday, an old-school Big Ten football game, physical, tough, grass field with rain and slop, and Iowa comes out of it with a win on the road. Yeah, you know, and any Big Ten win is a great win, and if, if you think of the history of this game and, and all the great players that have played in these games, I mean, and to travel up there in that kind of environment, you know, to play as ugly as, as Iowa played at times, you know, a lot like Northern Illinois, that the, the, the only, only score that matters is the score at the end of the game, and, and that's where we came out on top. On the other side of the coin, apart from the fact that they won, which is obviously the most important part, how many games are you going to win when your offense only has 257 total yards in a game? Only only the games that your teams are worse than you are. And, and, and Michigan State had a little bit of that going for them. Well, they had some talented football players, but their quarterback had no confidence and was not an effective leader of their team. And, and that makes it very, very hard for them offensively to, to execute. So uh, played right into Iowa's strengths, I thought. And, and, and that's kind of the way it played out. It, you know, we kept it close and, and kept it to one possession. Unfortunately, we were able to get that drive there sustained at the end and, and punch it in and get on top. And then our special teams, you know, and our special teams took over and we made the kick and, and forced them to try to, to get down there and a big play happened. Michigan State definitely the best defense Iowa's played so far this season. Maybe the best defense they play all year. It could be. I mean, it could be from a talent standpoint. You know, I thought they did a good job of, of keeping uh, Wiseman in check for the most part and, and, and actually our passing game. I mean, they, they came up and were pressing late in the game and 
and, and I thought that was a mistake on their part because, you know, that's when Vandenberg hit uh, uh, Keenan Davis on the fade route on a long, a second long or third long on that last drive that we went down and scored, which is a huge play, got us a first down, you know, and, and then we started to get some creases in the running game on that last drive as well. So other than that, they, they held us in check for the most part. Talking about Iowa's offensive performance, obviously you give credit to Michigan State's defense to some extent. There was the bad weather and the bad field conditions. That all partially explains it, but really until late in the game and particularly that last drive in regulation, Iowa's offense pretty much sputtered and punted. Yeah, and, and like I said, I think a lot of it was is when you don't have your footing and, and you're trying to run that zone mesh and, and zone blocking, you know, a lot of it's timing and being, you know, on the same level from a, a blocking standpoint and then the back being in there at that time. And, and, and when you get that sloppiness and the, and the wetness of the field and the, the ability not to make a sharper cut, I think that does affect, you know, the ability to hit that thing downhill and, and it kind of played that, that out that way a little bit. And Iowa's going to be conservative. They're not going to take a lot of chances throwing the ball and, and that type of element. And, um, you know, so I think it does hamper the offense immensely when you're playing conditions like that. Michigan State entered that game ranked 10th nationally against the run, only giving up an average of 86 yards per game and only three yards per carry. And as you mentioned a moment ago, they held Wiseman in check for much of the game. He only had 20 yards and 11 carries at the end of the first half, but he finished with 116 yards on 26 carries and one TD, his fourth straight game over 100 yards. Yeah, and you know, I think probably 60, 70 of those yards came in that one drive, you know, late. But uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of the way that, that, that style works is, you, you know, one and twos become threes and fours, and then they become eights and nines. And, and that's, you know, rushing yards. And, and ultimately, you know, that's what they were able to do when, when, it, when it mattered the most. And, and um, you know, a lot of people were frustrated. I mean, I was obviously getting texts and, and calls from people frustrated with where the Hawks were. But, you know, all I could say was we're one possession away. We're one possession away, and, and we're right in this thing. And, and that's ultimately what it came down to. Six games into the season, you have a fifth-year senior as your starting quarterback. And he appears to be regressing in terms of his fundamentals and especially his footwork and maybe some poor judgment. He seems to be struggling in his pre-snap reads and his blitz reads. Many of his passes appear to be way off mark and perhaps most troubling, the short passes and even screen pass plays. How concerned should Iowa fans be about that situation? I don't think I don't think at all, to be honest. I mean, obviously, it's he, he needs to play better. And ultimately, it's like anything else. If the offense struggles, a lot of it's going to be on the quarterback. If the offense does well, a lot of quarterbacks can get too much credit. I think you know, I think a lot of this, he's taking a lot more heat than is deserved in this situation because he is dealing with some guys that you know are still not playing at a high level offensively around him as far as the skilled guys, you know. So and that forces you to press sometimes. That forces you to try to do things maybe you're not as comfortable with trying to make plays for the offense. And that's not what you need. I mean, you need 11 guys doing their assignment, taking care of their job. And and when that's clicking, then it's you know everybody else is is doing what they need to be doing. And and it doesn't all the pressure doesn't come on the quarterback trying to make a play. And and so I, I think we're okay. I, I truly think that you know Vandenberg. I think he's a winner. You know I think he finds a way to win. He's you know a lot like Ricky Stanzi from that standpoint. I think he's a great leader. And so ultimately, I, I, the other thing I think about him is I think he shines best on the bright stage, on a big stage. And I think that's what you know Saturday is going to be the platform for him to go out and, and really showcase his skill set. Through six games, we've talked about this before. Seems like we talk about it almost every week. Only two touchdown passes all season. Uh, James' pass efficiency rating versus the Spartans was only 78.5. On the season, he ranks 114th in the FBS. Does it appear to you he's regressed from last season? You know, statistically, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have Marvin McNutt, you know. I mean, and Marvin McNutt was huge and, and was a big offensive weapon for us. And just we don't have that right now. We don't have that go 
go-to guy right now. To, you know, when, when, when it's third and seven, he, he was 100% comfortable throwing the ball to McNutt. You know, and he doesn't have that guy right now. And so I think that's what you're seeing is, you know, a combination of him not being comfortable with everybody else and then ultimately not having as, as much talent around him as he has in the past. And, you know, we've got to figure out a way to make better play calling, play selection, so he's, he is comfortable. He's making the throws that he's comfortable making. And the guys are ultimately getting to where they need to be uh, for him to get them the ball. Maybe the most striking thing in this is the inability of the team to convert on third and long, and too many times they've been in third and long this year. Yes, and that's where you, I mean that's terrible for us because the play action at that point has nothing; it doesn't do anything for you, you know. And, and so that's and that's what our passing game is built off. Of. A lot of our timing is built off of that. So a lot of our routes are designed to maybe be later cutting uh, down the field type, you know, 15 yard comebacks or 20 yard comebacks versus 15, which would be a normal drop back just because we are play action play action passing so much. And, and if they're not, you know, if they're not, you know, taking the play action, then they can get out under those curls and those hooks and those digs uh, quicker and, and, and more of a factor in the passing game. Last Saturday, we saw a number of instances, again, where on third and long, the play calls, or at least the plays as executed, weren't designed to get enough yards to get the first down. It's hard to tell whether that's Vandenberg's changing the play at the line or whether that's Greg Davis' calls. Talk about that a bit. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't got a feel on what that is, what their checks are. Um, you know, I know in the past, uh, a lot of times they would check their running game quite a bit, and, and it was based on a front or, a, you know, a, sec- a secondary coverage as far as where the support was, uh, and then they would get their count and they'd, they'd be off and, and running. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that we're doing right now just because of the new verbiage. That is difficult. Uh, if you're not 100% comfortable with the verbiage of an offense and, and the transition of, of learning one system under the other, then it's very, very difficult to go to, to, go to an audible system because, you know, the receivers aren't going to be comfortable. They're not going to have great command of, you know, all of a sudden we're checking to, you know, 33 Razor. And if they're not 100% comfortable with what Razor is, and, you know, I mean, they're not going to execute the play. And so I think it minimizes what you can do at some, to some extent, uh, or it makes you simplify what your checks are going to be. And then ulti- that ultimately, you know, makes you a little bit less aggressive on offense. Over the years, Kirk has demonstrated, a, a, I don't know whether it's a reluctance or just his approach to the game, but even when Iowa's had big leads late in games, you typically did not see the backup quarterback come in and get any playing time until maybe the last series or two. And you haven't seen a backup take hardly any snaps this year, in large part because Iowa really hasn't had any big leads for the most part all season. As a coach, what's your philosophy about trying to get your backup some playing time, especially in some of the critical skill positions like quarterback, because every player is only playing an injury away from from needing that person to come in the game and play well. It's Mark Wise, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, he, he was, what, third or fourth in the depth chart. And, and you have to try to find ways to get guys experience and game experience. There's, there's nothing can create that game experience of being in front of a stadium of 70,000 people. Or, and you think you can create it on Saturday or, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. It's just impossible to create the speed and the intensity and the focus that's needed for a quarterback or receiver or lineman. And, and you've got to try to find game reps uh, somewhere or another. And if it's, you know, it's just, it's making a commitment that, you know what, the third drive or the fourth drive, no matter what, the, the, the backup quarterback's going to go in and run four plays. And just so he's in there, and even if they're just runs, you know, and you're not going to ask him to pass, he's going to hand off. And just the fact that he's on the field with those guys uh, is going to help him be a better player when and if his time does come. And he's going to be more comfortable then, you know, versus just all of a sudden he hadn't played in six or seven games and all of a sudden now he's thrown into the mix. That's, that's difficult. Back up a minute to Iowa's struggles on third down. It was another game where they had seven three-and-outs versus the Spartans. There were only 
six of 19 on, on third down conversions. And really that third down conversion rate all season has been pretty poor. Uh, not necessarily in an ideal world, but in an acceptable world, what do you think the third down conversion rates should be? Oh, that's, you know, I, I don't know what the statistics are. I mean, I, you know, it depends on a lot of it depending on the third, the, the range, you know, but if you're, if you're inside of third and six, you know, third and five, say, let's say third and five, I mean, you should be converting, you know, 40 plus percent, you know, and, and hopefully get a clip that's, you know, a little bit better than that. I mean, if you're, if you're, are converting to 50% of those, then you're probably sitting really good, you know. But you start talking third and nine, third and twelve. Now you're going down to the teens as far as your conversion rates, probably on most of those. So that, that, that's a good question. I've never, I've never really seen the statistics of what those are, and, and that would be fascinating to see kind of who leads in all those different categories. You made this point, I think, about three or even four weeks ago, and now we're through the first six games. Ken, don't you think it's likely to expect every team that Iowa plays for the rest of the season, at least the way it's going so far, to stack the box, blitz often, and try to force Iowa to beat them passing. One hundred percent. I mean, that's that's exactly what you got to do. Even the uh, you know, even the, the last drive was mostly just Wiseman, and, and he broke a couple tackles and created extra yardage after that. And, and with the exception of the throw to Keenan Davis on that second or third and long, it was a great throw and catch. But you know, our passing game was really not a threat for the most part during that that game on Saturday. Now that being the case, it was you know it was sloppy conditions, and, and rightfully so. You, you know. We, we, we were on the benefit side of watching what happens when you do throw the ball. It's tough to complete a 10-yard pass because a defensive lineman can tip it and the ball could be picked off. Turning to a more positive aspect of, of the game, Iowa's defense was outstanding again. They did a decent job containing Le'Veon Bell, who's an outstanding runner. They had good pressure on the quarterback Maxwell most of the day, and, and once again, they seemed to get better as the game progressed. Yeah, and Maxwell, just I'm telling you what, he, I'm not saying he didn't want to be there, but he looked like he, he did not have a lot of confidence and uh, did not not feel comfortable playing against the Hawk defense, and that's a tribute to them and, and to the Hawks and kind of the looks they were giving them and the, and the pressure that they were applying. So, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great defensive effort, but, um, you know, I think a lot of it was just that the heat, he wasn't very good that day, you know, and their running game was a little bit hampered like ours was because of the conditions, and that, that hurt them. So, you know, they were basically a right-handed team and a running team, and that's it's easy to defend that. Not easy, but it's easier to defend that. You come out, you know, Iowa fans complaining about its offensive performance. I suspect Michigan's State fans are doing the same because Iowa's defense forced them to punt nine times. They had five three and outs. Maxwell was sacked twice, and they had six tackles for loss. Those are pretty good stats. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like I said, I, with the exception of if you go back to the Central Michigan game, they, they've been they've been pretty salty group. I mean, they've been pretty stingy as far as you know what they give up. Hitchens leads the nation in tackles, averaging 13 a game. That's an impressive stat right there. The entire linebacking core appears to be playing pretty well overall, and the defensive line continues to really show progress. Yeah, those guys, they, they played with speed and physicality Saturday, and that's what I like to see. When they had to pr- apply pressure in the passing game, they were able to do it, and when they had to you know, line up and stop the run and, and play that physically, they were able to do that as well. And so, you know, it, it's fun to watch these guys because I truly, if you want to see guys contest everything, I mean, watch these four guys up front. I mean, they, they, I mean, they, they're going to fight over every square inch on that football field, and when you play like that, and you have a high motor like that, you got a good chance to be successful. So probably the best kickoff return of the season called yeah. back uh, because of that block in the back that had nothing to do with how well Cotton did on that play. But it looks like I was finally beginning to gel maybe a bit. Garmin's had a couple of runs, hasn't busted one yet. Cotton busted that one on Saturday. And on the flip side of that coin, for the first time really in, in several years, it looks like Iowa's special teams are playing at a fairly high level in terms of kickoff 
kickoff and punt coverage. Yeah, and that's, you know, when we can, we talk about always want to be more dynamic in the return game, and that was exciting to see, and I love the effort by the tight end running down there to try to get in it, but my, oh my, just stay off of it. I mean, Cotton was doing just fine without him, and, and that was a huge penalty, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, special teams are huge. I mean, the kicker for us is, I mean, you talk about a weapon, this guy is making a huge name for himself, and that was a clutch kick in overtime, and, and um, you know, I mean, this got to win in special teams, and, and that fortunately for us, as you mentioned, we're starting to make that an advantage for us, and if we can win the field position battle, if we can put points on the board consistently, and if we can start creating that type of field position with returns, then we're in business. I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to convert, you know, 50-yard drives than it is 85-yard drives. You just mentioned it, Mike Meyer, money in the bank, second oh, in the man. nation in field goals made, 13 straight, 14 of 15, and getting most of his kickoffs much deeper this year, many of them into the end zone, and that's a big improvement over last year, too. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, the new rule, I, you know, what a rule, the, the ball comes out, you lose five yards of field position, but I, I get it for safety reasons, but, but it, you know, that's, trust me, your defenses will take it on the 25 versus letting it come back and, and knowing you got some guy that can score on you. So, you know, when you kick in the end zone, that's great. And then just the, you know, the stability of our kicking game is phenomenal. I mean, this guy, not, you know, that he was left hash, rainy, sloppy, wet ball, and he hammered it right down the middle. I mean, this guy's about as uh, good as it gets right now. Did you think when Iowa scored its touchdown there with 55 seconds to go on regulation that they should have been any consideration to go for two-point conversion on that play and maybe shoot for the win as opposed to a tie and sending it to overtime? No, not not, not in that environment. I mean, I you know, and, and if you're the better team, you played overtime. Uh, if, if you, you know, and, and I think Iowa was the better team, is the better team, and, and, and you, so you played overtime. If you're, if you're not as good, there's your chance to, to get the win. And, and so I thought it was, you know, and, and plus with our special teams, I mean, with, with our kicker, I mean, it, to go to overtime with, with that advantage, I mean, it, that, that was definitely the right play. After the Big Ten update, Marv breaks down the key zone left running play with Mark Weisman, talks about Weisman's injury, and he previews Penn State in detail. If you like punting, you've come to the right place. <laughs> Mike Meyer, who's made 11 consecutive field goals, looking to keep the Hawkeyes alive. 28-yard field goal here, make the 27-yard field goal in overtime to tie it. And Meyer puts it through. We go to a second overtime here at East Lansing. We said when you get to the third overtime, you have to go for two, but you, you still have to keep kicking field goals, which means we could go longer than three overtimes because I don't know if either of these teams are going to get a touchdown. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. We are now halfway through the regular season for most teams and three games overall into the Big Ten schedule. The debate about the level of Big Ten football continues unabated. Is there parity and or is there mediocrity? The Gazette's Mike Halas had an interesting blog post earlier this week noting Kirk Herbstreet's comments on the Colin Cowherd show. The ESPN analyst said this season that Big Ten football is sleep-inducing. There are extremes at play here. Some teams struggle 
struggle to score points. Think, for example, Iowa and Michigan State, even Wisconsin. Other teams can put up big numbers, but their defenses get shredded fairly regularly. Think Ohio State and Nebraska. Then you have the situation where one-third of the entire leaders division is not eligible to play in the conference championship game, let alone any bowls. Six straight national titles have gone to SEC teams. Big Ten teams have now lost eight of the last nine Rose Bowls in which they've played, and Big Ten teams have lost the last two Capital One Bowls to teams from the SEC. The conference does not have a single team ranked in the BCS Top 25. Both the SEC and Big 12 have seven teams in that ranking. Michigan is the only conference team ranked in the USA Today coaches poll, and that's just barely at number 25. There are no conference teams ranked at all in the Harris Interactive poll, and in the AP poll, the Wolverines are 23rd, while Ohio State is 7th, even though it's under NCAA and Big Ten sanctions and won't go anywhere. Sort of adding insult to injury, the ineligible Buckeyes are one of only two teams in the nation with 7-0 and records, and one of just 12 that remains undefeated. So you can make up your own mind, but one thing is clear, the Big Ten's national reputation is under big-time assault, and probably justifiably so. I guess the conference can take solace in its basketball programs, where the Big Ten now has five teams ranked in the top 25, including numbers 1, 4, and 5. Notable achievements last week included Kirk Ferentz winning his 100th game at Iowa. He becomes only the 12th Big Ten coach in history to achieve that mark while at their conference institution. Michigan quarterback Denard Robinson had another monster game, accounting for 287 yards of total offense against Illinois. He's just the 8th player in conference history to reach 10,000 yards of total offense. He's also had seven games where he's rushed and passed for at least two touchdowns. And how goes Robinson? So goes the Wolverines. He's either really good or pretty bad, and Michigan's record reflects that accordingly. And that loss by Illinois extends its conference losing streak to nine. The Illini are clearly the worst team in the Big Ten at this point. Ohio State held on by its fingernails to pull out a road win at Indiana by a whopping score of 52-49 to after the Hoosiers stormed from behind in the last two minutes, recovering an onside kick and scoring a touchdown and a two-point conversion. A second onside kick attempt failed. The Buckeyes' defense is struggling so much this season against spread offenses. The head coach, Urban Meyer, began working directly with his defense this week in an effort to help shore it up. And don't forget Iowa's Mike Meyer, who was named Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week for his clutch performance at Michigan State, allowing Iowa to pull out that win in two overtimes. Big Ten players ranked in the NCAA Top 30 include Iowa's Mark Weissman at 24th in rushing yards per game, Penn State's wide receiver Allen Robinson, 20th in receptions per game, Iowa linebacker Anthony Hitchens, first in tackles per game, and his teammate James Morris is 18th in that category. The Hawkeyes are 19th in the FBS in total defense, 28th in pass defense, and 24th in scoring defense. Penn State is 15th in scoring defense. There are several crucial games on tap this weekend with significant implications for the races in both the leaders and legends divisions. Iowa, of course, hosts Penn State. Michigan State travels to Michigan. Those teams will play for the 60th time for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. The Spartans have won four straight in that series. A fifth consecutive win would set their all-time record. And Nebraska plays at Northwestern with the loser potentially out of the Legends 
division race. The other trophy game Saturday features Minnesota at Wisconsin with the Paul Bunyan Axe at stake. The Badgers likely clinched the leaders division slot in the conference title game with last weekend's trouncing of Purdue at West Lafayette. Weird at this point in the season, but again, remember, Ohio State and Penn State are ineligible, and the other three teams in that division are Illinois, Indiana, and Purdue, each without a conference win. And broadcast school has really paid off. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinad on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinad and Brommel Camp Show, weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Next, Marv Cook talks to Mark Weissman and previews the crucial Penn State game. Let's back up a minute and look at the long Weissman 37-yard run on third and six late in the fourth quarter. It was the same outside zone left play that Greg Davis called versus Northern Illinois that Bullock scored on. Can you explain to fans how and why that play works? Well, a lot of times third and six, they, they'll bring in nickel and they'll bring in an extra DB. I'm not sure if they did. And so what, what that is, is now you have a defensive back in there versus a linebacker. And so what we'll have is a tight end or a fullback now blocking a DB versus a linebacker. Well, that's a huge advantage for the offense. And ultimately, so we're matching up and we're blocking and then we create the advantage on the edge with a bigger guy on a smaller guy. And, and then you have a big back coming as well. So if you can get on guys and the back's running hard enough, he's going to run through arm tackles, he's going to pull out of there. You know, it is an interesting call on third and six because if they if they hit it in the head, now you're looking at fourth and seven, and what do you do? I mean, you almost got to get back to this was this two down territory. It probably was. We were the other thing. We were being pretty. It looked like when we got the ball with four plus minutes to go, we were resigned to the fact, well, we're going to score this driver. It's over because there was no sense of urgency as far as let's try to get down there and score right away. And so basically, we marched it down the field methodically, took most of the time off the clock, and and really didn't give Michigan State much time after they scored so but if we got two first downs and there's a minute 50 to go and we're still on the 50 yard line and and then we go three and out you know we would have been in a, in a world of hurt there so uh, interesting use of time there at the end but ultimately it, it worked out for the Hawks. Turning to the Penn State game the two deeps right now given Weissman's injury and, and uncertainty in terms of his playing uh, time or availability. You've got Garmin and Kanziri listed one and two, and Wiseman had scored eight of Iowa's 13 touchdowns this season, 48 points, 36% of its total offense. Garmin and Kanziri probably both have less power but more speed than Wiseman, but that's going to put even more stress on the passing game, isn't it? I think so. I, I, the good thing is I think the offensive line has developed, and, and Wiseman was a great, one, he's a great player, but two, he, he came at the perfect 
perfect time. When we needed help in the offensive line, he provided it with the way his running style was and his ability. And so the, it's allowed the offensive line to continue to develop as we got into the Big Ten play. And so now I think if, if Wiseman's out, the offensive line has progressed enough with their timing, their mesh, and, and the way they work together that it's going to allow the, the younger backs to come in there and hopefully still have some success running the football. It's not going to be the same, but you know, a lot of times it can be more dynamic with a different style. Uh, so these guys just got to step up and, and make the plays when their name's called and, and, and get the job done. So you know, I, I don't think it's going to be as big an issue as a lot of people think, but ultimately um, whoever it is is going to have to step in and get it done. Kirk said they're planning as if Weissman won't be available. There's a possibility still that he might. Does an ankle sprain, depending on the, the degree of severity of the sprain, is it more limiting on a player of Weissman's build and running style, or would it be more impactful on on more of a scat back or, or a guy who relies on speed like a Garmin or a Kanzeri, or does yeah, it make no, any it's, difference? It's, no, it's more, it's, it's more of a detriment to the fast guy, the fast, quick, explosive guy. I was a plotter. You know, I'm not going to say Weissman's a plotter, but I didn't have the top-end gear. It was just a matter of kind of functional movement, and that's kind of what Weissman is, a functional movement guy. You know, as long as he doesn't lose too much of a step with his ankle, he'll be fine and his style will be fine because he's not I mean he's not making a lot of guys miss he's what he's doing is making subtle moves so the guys can't square him up and get good contact on him and then he'll he'll use his strength to pull through blocks or tackles and so I, I think it's just gonna be a matter of how quick he re- responds and, and and if he can get as close to pain free as possible but if you've got a, a, a you know I don't know if they call it a sprain or a deep bruise or whatever it is they're calling it I mean if there's if there's significant pain when you're weight bearing then it's going to be impossible to, to play and play at a high level, so you know that's going to be the big thing as he gets ready as, as, the, as the week gets closer to the game. Penn State comes into this game same record as Iowa, four and two, two and zero in the Big Ten. They're at the top of the leaders' division along with Ohio State right now. They're facing four years of scholarship reductions and bowl bans. They've lost several key players. They've had trouble in field goal kicking. They're so thin in the defensive backfield that their their defensive coach says they can't even run the nickel defense. And they're ineligible for the Big Ten title game and postseason play, but they can win the leaders division and they yeah. appear to be playing unified and playing tough yeah I mean, they are motivated and they're very very inspired guys and and uh you know the quarterback has done a good job coach o'brien's doing a good job of coaching him up with his decision making skills he seems the quarterback seems to me to be a front runner i don't think he seems to be a mutter and i think if iowa can get heat on him and pressure on him and create some uh you know confusion you know i don't think he's the guy that handles that extremely well so you know i think it's going to be imperative that i was able to put pressure on him keep him from getting comfortable into a rhythm and, and and, and then getting after it. I mean, home field advantage, Penn State on the road, it's going to be a tough game. But, you know, I was getting better. And, you know, this is a team that, you know, if you if you line up and you start picking guys, it's going to be pretty close. But, you know, I was got a little mojo right now. It was a huge win Saturday. And, and I think they'll carry that over and, and play off the Kinnick Stadium crowd and, and uh, be ready to get after the Nittany Lions. You just mentioned O'Brien bringing more of an up-tempo style of offense to Penn State and, and the fact that the quarterback, Matt McGloin, really, appears to be flourishing in that scheme. He leads the Big Ten in passing, and pretty interesting statistic, 12 TD passes and only two interceptions, and he's also run for five TDs, so obviously containing him will be the key to that game, wouldn't you think? He's the trigger guy, and, and the, the tight ends are always effective at Penn State, and they do a good job of using that intermediate passing game with those guys, and, and they'll have an effective running game, so I mean, it, it, it's a you know a, a formidable offense, and but I just, I love the way our defense is playing right now. I think they're 
they are going to force Penn State to be one-dimensional and, and have to throw the ball repeatedly, and I just don't think that they're you know necessarily built for that. They've had success, but they've had success against Northwestern, which has had trouble stopping everybody defensively. But you know, I mean, that's where statistics can be a little bit misleading as far as who you've been playing. But you know, it'll, it'll you know it'll be interesting. But uh, you know, I think you know one our guys. I think we play a little tougher style. You know, I think I think Iowa under Kirk Ferentz has, and Coach Doyle has become a physical football team, a bunch of tough guys. And when you play games, especially like Saturday, when you play games and it's cold and rainy and windy, and it takes a tough element to win the football game. And that's you know, I think an advantage that Iowa has over a lot of teams in the Big Ten, or especially our division right now. And um, in my opinion, it's going to make for a great Saturday night. Penn State's one of the leaders in the FBS in terms of how often they run fourth down plays, almost regardless of, of field position. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, that's you know, I guess that's a little bit of a. Bill Belichick, he's been known to do that with Tom Brady, and then you know it's probably we're starting to realize it's probably was Coach O'Brien's calls when he was with the Patriots. So you know statistics are are good, and if you, and if you feel like you've got a matchup, I'm telling you, when you're punting into 30 mile an hour winds, how many times you've seen a guy punt one and it goes about 15 yards, and you're like, well, gosh, if I'd have known that, I just went for it, you know. So sometimes it makes tactical sense to just try it and and see if you can keep the drive alive. Offensively and defensively, your keys to this game for Iowa. Well, one, we're going to have to run the ball. I mean, and, and whoever it is, we're going to have to be able to run the ball effectively. And, and two, Vandenberg's got to step up and, and be the guy that we know he can be and, and play with a skill set that we know he can play with. And, and the guys around him have to help. I mean, you know, we I know he can make all the throws. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting everybody on the same page and continuing to make them and getting the defense on their heels, you know, attacking the defense, putting pressure on the defense and getting them thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, and get them defensive. And if you if you can do that, you got a good chance. And I think that's, that's the key offensively. Defensively, I just think we got to get this McGloin guy very, very uncomfortable, not pleased with the way things are progressing early. I think he'll get frustrated if, if he has if he struggles early. And and then, you know, continue to make big plays on special teams. And if you get up, you know, stay up. You know, get up. Get, if you get to 7, get to 10. If you get to 10, get to 20 up on the team and, and, and create a little momentum and, and really put teams away and, and become a dynamic scoring offense and, and and so, that, you know, for me, that's what I want to see. That's the next step that this team needed to take. And if they do that, I'm telling you, they got a chance to play for this, the Big Ten championship. You know, I think the schedule is very, very conducive for them getting through this thing and uh, getting after it. Kind of a seer, Marv. You talked two weeks ago before the Minnesota game when everything was looking pretty gloomy after Central Michigan, that you start the Big Ten season, everybody's starting fresh. You're in the driver's seat, and here they are 2-0, and and Iowa and Michigan both really will determine their own fate in the Big Ten season. And that's, you know, we, we talk about it a lot of times, that's all you can ever ask for, right, is the is the ability to, to control your own destiny. And, and that's the great thing about where these guys are right now. They are in that position where they can go ahead and, and um, you know, control it. And that's, so that's exciting from that standpoint. And you win out, you're in the Big Ten championship game. And if you win that, you're in a BCS game. So it's, you know, nothing's out of their control right now. And as a player, you, you got to love that. Iowa-Penn State prediction? You know, I think it's going to be, I think, we're, I think Iowa's going to show up and we're going to be like 34 to, to uh, you know, 20 uh, type of game. Or, you know, it's a two-possession game, and Iowa's going to really get it going offensively and, and uh, you know, and, and, and expose Penn State for the, the, the lack of depth and, uh, that they've lost through these sanctions and, and, and ultimately, you know, make that a huge plus for the, uh, uh, for the home team. Do you ever have that feeling you were just born for greatness? Hand up, Weissman, got a hole, got the first down, keeps going! Weissman inside the 20, 
They finally catch up to him inside the 10. What a great run by a former walk-on fullback. Great blocking up front by the offensive line. And this is what Weissman has been doing for the past three weeks. Nobody knows how he can do it. He doesn't have the kind of speed, but he just makes plays when the game's on the line. Fourth straight game, over 100 yards rushing. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week. And as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.